Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Earn Your Life podcast with David Fernandez Jr. Here we go again. I'm excited about this episode. We have a very special guest. Her name is Halima Speaks. She's coming all the way to us from the United Kingdom. I'm excited to have you on the show. She is a mental health advocate and support coach. Halima, how are you doing today? Hello, I'm amazing. How are you? Oh, wonderful. I'm actually really excited to have you on my show. Me too, me too. I'm really, really looking forward to this. Awesome. So as you know, we dive in deep and we we dive in deep from the get-go. So, um, you know, I just want the audience to get to know you a little bit. And uh, yeah, tell us a little bit about yourself. Okay, perfect. So um, I'm 26 years old at the moment. And where I've come from in terms of what's brought me to doing what I do today is that since childhood, I suffered from a lot of different mental health issues as a result of um, a few experiences that happened throughout my life. Uh, Altogether, I actually tried to take my life about four times. um, Mm -hmm. And what's... um, we were talking about alignment um, before we actually started recording. And one of the um, amazing things that I've literally realized about five minutes ago is that today, um, the day that we're actually recording, this is actually the two year anniversary of my recovery. When my no recovery actually way. started. So no we're way. on the second anniversary, which I think is just absolutely amazing. Wow. Um, so and we actually, like for, our, for our audience, let me, let yeah. me let them know, like we, we tried to do this podcast yesterday and for whatever reason the the anchor app you know that we're recording with was not working we were not able to make it work and so now a day later here we are and it's on your two-year anniversary exactly and what did I say as well I said there's a reason this isn't happening Um, and we're gonna see what that reason is and that was because we were meant to do it today it's just a divine alignment like it's it's amazing but um yeah so it's the two-year anniversary of when I actually tried to take my life for the final time I was actually sectioned um I was in a mental health unit for a week and when I came out of the mental health unit I Uh, started my recovery on my own um, because the care services that were put in place for me were really really um, they were not equipped to to dealing realities of what I was going through the way they spoke to me the way they treated me Um, it was it it made me worse in, 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 in a sense and I realized that if I was going to get better then I had to do it on my own so I went off I started to structure my own recovery and as I was making progress, I started to document my recovery on social media because yeah. I find uh, therapy in writing and expressing myself like that. Mm-hmm. And as I started to get further and further into it and document more, and as I was learning more and sharing my discoveries with people, I started to get messages um, from different people, people that I knew, people that I didn't know, saying that the things that I was writing and the things that I was talking about really inspired them or helped them in some way. Um, yeah. And that when, when that started to happen, I realized that, you know what, there's, there's something here. There's something that, that, that's happening. There's clearly something that I know that people need to hear. Like people are actually gaining value from the words that I'm speaking. And yes. I started to, you know, do it more often. And before I knew it, I was being invited onto news stations, radio platforms. And that's when I realized wow. that, you know what, I can actually make 
I can actually make a career out of this. Like, yeah. I've, I found my, my purpose through my pain in, 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 in such a way. And ever since then, I've literally just been working extremely hard to creating more awareness, educating myself more on the things I haven't been through, and, and really working hard to just make a difference and be that light for people that I needed uh, when I was going through what my, my traumas and my experiences. Yeah, you know what's what's so right now I'm just feeling all kinds of emotions because um, you know, I, I that's that's one of the reasons or the the most important reason or why I I, you know, started this podcast. And it was because I, I really did want to have honest conversations about life and you know, uh what we deal with, what we go through every day, what we're feeling, what we're carrying around every day inside of our hearts. I, I, I got blessed at a very young age to um, be in these spaces where we were able to be vulnerable, be open, be real with one another. And the magic and medicine that came from that was like surreal. It was like the most beautiful thing in the world. And so now that I have you here, I just, I feel it's, it's so sacred and so special because, um, you know, for the people that are listening or will be listening to this podcast we have an opportunity here uh once again to be able to dive in deep and really talk about you know what you experienced and how we get to that place right and so i'd love for yeah. you to really um talk about it and you know like like go wherever you want to go with it you know what i'm saying because i feel that the the deeper we go the the more um people will be able to take or walk away from you know what i'm saying yeah, so yeah so yeah. Okay, so there's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> uh, one thing that I uh, one thing that I say to a lot of people is I feel like that my life has been somewhat kind of a movie, um, because there was always one event after another, which I believe is the reason why my emotions got as dark as you know as they did. Mm. Um, as a child, you know, I grew up with a lot of self-esteem issues that stem from. Um, I was I was bullied in school, not to a severe extent where I used to get, you know, physically hit, mm -hmm. but people used to make jokes at the way that I looked and things like that. Mm -hmm. um, and that started off the anxiety that I experienced. Mm -hmm. So as a kid, I had a lot of anxiety. I was very conscious about everything that I said, everything that I did. Um, I, you know, came from domestic struggles you know I developed daddy issues at a very very early age um, and I experienced a lot of trauma I saw things that children shouldn't really see yeah. and I developed the coping mechanism of being very very sheltered and very quiet when I was at home and then when I was outside when I was at school I used to be very angry and I used to get very frustrated and obviously these emotions as children you don't understand right. and as I grew older and older and older um that developed into a very irrational behavior I was molested for the first time when I was 14 mm -hmm. and that obviously my behavior totally spiraled out of control then and the biggest problem was the fact that I didn't tell anybody I didn't know how to tell people I didn't know how to express it and uh, so I kept it to myself yeah. and it was only until things got to that point where you know like my schoolwork was suffering my my teachers were really concerned about my behavior my family were confused yeah. and uh, when it got to that point where you know 
my my family actually sat me down and said like enough's enough we need to know what's going on and you know I finally opened up to them and told them what had happened one of the um, crucial things to take note of is the fact that my family because of the lack of awareness that they had they thought that because I'd now opened up and told them what had happened that meant that I was going to be okay yeah whereas actually that's not what happens because obviously speaking up is very important and it's like the first step Mm -hmm. but you also have to deal with the things and the issues that are now developing inside you as a result of that specific incident that happened but that never happened because obviously of the lack of education that all of us had about mental health and the illnesses and trauma and the after effects Mm so um i forgot about it and I carried on living my life uh at age 16 I started uh college obviously here we we call it all different (laughs) um so we started started college at 16 and got into a relationship um with my first proper boyfriend which ended up being a a sexually abusive relationship Mm. and again I highly 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 believe that where that then stems from is because of your lack of self-worth yeah um you know, we always talk, people always talk about daddy issues. And I said, I, I, I claim it. I say, I, you know, I had severe daddy issues growing up because obviously of the absence of my father and, you know, um, when he was present, like the, the relationship that we had was not a great one either. Yeah. So I didn't have much self-worth. I didn't have somebody to, to show me and set the bar for what a man should treat me like and what I should accept and what I shouldn't tolerate. Yeah. So I just took whatever was thrown at me. And, you know, I suffered a lot in that year. And eventually that came to an end after about a year. And again, I didn't seek help for it. I developed severe PTSD afterwards. Mm -hmm. I wasn't aware of what that was. All I knew is that I was getting flashbacks. All I knew is that I was getting severe anxiety and that my behavior was spiraling out of control, that I just didn't focus on my education and I couldn't keep hold of a job. And, you know, like I was just in this vicious cycle of self-sabotage um, self-sabotaging behavior and that became my life like anything in my life that I was doing it was working against me in terms of my health and my betterment and as I just grew older that just became my lifestyle so I never really took any um, I never took notice of it it was normal to me obviously my friends my family everybody that was around me also weren't aware of the the mental health issues that I was experiencing because of the lack of awareness and the lack of education so to everybody that was around me you know I'm just this rebel that just wants to live this outrageous lifestyle Mm -hmm. and uh we can't rein her in so just let her be and um eventually things got to that point where being at the age of 20 I actually ended up becoming homeless. I uh, lost my job again because of my mental health issues. Um, I tried to go to some friends for support. And the people that I did try to go to help, uh, tried to go to for help, uh, tried to take advantage of me, um, whether it was financially or anything else. And literally after about three tries, I gave up because I was so scared of being let down again. And I was so scared of somebody else trying to take advantage of me and you know, my, my pride and my anxiety both came together. So I just, I was too scared to go to my family. I was too scared to go to any of my friends that I hadn't yet gone to, um, who may have well have supported me. Mm-hmm. And I just said, right, I need to just try and figure this out on my own. And I ended up being homeless and I ended up sleeping on the streets for about, on and off for about a year. Mm-hmm. And that again, had a huge, huge, huge uh, impact on my mental health. Um, I, 
I used to, what I missed out is that I used to self-harm when I was 14. Mm. Um, and that was something that was on and off in my life. I'd gone at this point in my life, once I became homeless, I wasn't self-harming anymore, but I had got to that point where, you know, I had severe depression. I had severe anxiety. Um, I was getting, having panic attacks for unexplainable reasons. I didn't know how to manage them. I didn't know how to cope with yeah, them. Yeah. So let's talk um, about that a little bit. Let's talk about that uh, yeah. real quick. So, because you've brought up anxiety a lot throughout this uh, this time, right? So what exactly were you feeling? Because there's there's a lot of people out there that have anxiety and have had panic attacks and they didn't they don't even realize they're having it in essence, right? They can't they don't fully understand yeah. it. I remember when I had my first uh, panic attack, I thought I was having a heart attack. I thought I was gonna die. You know what I'm saying? Because yeah. I just didn't even know what a panic attack was. Of course, I had heard about it. Of course, I've heard, I had heard about anxiety. But I, when, when that happened to me, I couldn't pinpoint it in that moment. So I'm asking you what, what the anxiety and ultimately what the panic attacks felt for you. For me, again, like you said, it's very similar to the feeling of having a heart attack it's like obviously I've never had a heart attack so I can't really compare that in that sense but it's like it feels like the closest feeling you'll ever get to it it's like your heart starts pounding at god knows what speed and you know your body temperature rises um you start to feel experience this feeling of anxiousness and you're scared and sometimes you sometimes you tremble if it's like a severe panic attack and I used to shake a little bit like my hands used to shake I couldn't breathe properly like my I couldn't get hold of my breath I would be so scared if I was outside I would literally run to the nearest place that I could find that nobody would be able to see me and I'd sit there and I'd just try cry and cry and cry and try and get myself together and um it's literally a feeling of just loss of control. Yeah, like yeah. you, you just you have no control over yourself, and yeah. you don't understand why. And then because you don't understand what's happening to you, you start to panic even more. Mm-hmm. And when you're panicking even more, then the anxiety attack or the panic attack it just gets worse yeah. and worse and worse. And the thing to know is that it eventually does subside. Yeah. It does stop eventually, but in the in in the process of panicking, you prolong it from from calming and you prolong it from from stopping and um because obviously I didn't know what I was experiencing and I didn't know how to manage it I literally just used to panic until it eventually stopped and once it stopped I would try and compose myself I would just you know catch my breath again and I'd just get up and carry on living as if nothing had happened because I didn't know what that meant I didn't know what I had to do like I just thought like okay this is this is it now like this is clearly what's going to keep happening to me for forever so I'm just going to have to deal with it yeah yeah wow that's so deep now now so you were you were talking to us before i interrupted i just kind of wanted my audience to to really you know get that that uh piece of information regarding the anxiety and panic attacks but you were telling us you know at age 20 you were homeless you were you know you were going through that experience and so what happened after that so after that um i actually ended up meeting two guys that were the first people in my life that really, really well and truly stepped up for me, like unconditionally. Um, they found out how I was living and they supported me um, and they helped me to get back on my feet. We're actually still great friends as of today. Awesome. Uh, and they're very, very dear to me. So it's a really lovely, um, a really lovely way that that happened. But what happened was they obviously took me and we started to work together. I started to do door to door sales work and, um, when I was doing that work again, you know, I was experiencing my panic attacks, but 
they used to support me and they used to help me through them. Mm-hmm. Uh, they used to sit with me and help me catch my breath and help me calm down or just hug me while I cried until, you know, I managed to get composure of myself. Yeah. And one thing to really, really take note of is the amount of progress that I made whilst being around them. Like, obviously, in terms of the deep-rooted traumas and the deep-rooted issues that I had with my mental health weren't dealt with. Yeah. But the progress that I made in terms of being able to control my anxiety um, came from having that unconditional love Ooh. from people. That is so powerful right there that, man, I just, I really love to hear that because I feel that's what's, what's like, changed my life and saved my life too growing up you know was was people that actually just provided that space for me to be able to just be vulnerable be open um you know or just release whatever i needed to release in the moment and and go from there and that really is unconditional love i think that's that's what you know what um what i what i stand by you know what i'm saying is is loving people in that way because i was loved in that way you know yeah yeah Definitely. And that's what it was, essentially, because I always talk to people about, and you know, compassion and treating people with love. And we all have that inside us. You know, we, yeah. all, we all want to treat people with love. But how much are you really willing to tolerate from somebody that is going through mental health problems before you then decide that I can't deal with this anymore and wash your hands of them? Because I have experienced that. And the difference between what I'd been through and what I was going through with these two friends of mine is that even when it got really, really hard, even when, you know, my behavior spiraled out of control or I got triggered or I lashed out, you know, or I had an an episode of some kind, they never, ever, ever threw it back in my face and they let it happen. They took everything that that I threw at them, which was a lot because you know i i was in a state of survival from being yeah. homeless you know yeah. i was i had trust issues so even though yeah. they they hadn't given me any reason to doubt them i still doubted them and you know i was paranoid all the time i was insecure about things like my behavior like did like come out like extremely sometimes yeah. and whenever that did happen they they wouldn't ever judge me for it they wouldn't ever get angry with me for it mm-hmm. they never you know threw me out of their lives for it they just said okay like this is how she is right now. Like, we love you regardless. Like, they used to say to me all the time, Halima, like, at the moment, you're a very selfish person, but it's fine. We understand why you're like this and we love you and you are our friend regardless. Mm-hmm. And I used to, I actually used to, like, it used to really agitate me because I used to be in denial about the way that they used to say these things. And yeah. I was like, I'm not selfish. I'm not this. I'm not that. <laughs> but then, and it used yeah, to confuse yeah. me. Like, yeah, I used to get confused. Like, why do you love me yeah. if I'm like this? Like, it doesn't make sense. Yeah. And it makes sense to me now. Yeah. But back then, like, at the beginning, it didn't make sense to me. But the more and more love they showed me, the better it made me. Yeah. As time uh, went the power on, of it love, made me right? a better the power person. Of love. Yes. How beautiful it's is amazing. that? It's amazing. And yeah. it's like, and they, they, they were just my friends. It wasn't even like a romantic relationship. It wasn't even a, you know, a parent-child relationship. It's just friends giving you unconditional love, yeah. telling you that no matter what happens, they've got your back. They're there for you. They will look after you. And they did. And they looked after me until I got to that point where I was like, do you know what? I think I'm ready to take this next chapter on my own now. Nice. And that's what I did. You know, I went and I, I took the next chapter on my own. And even though in myself, I was a lot better than I was, you know, when I was homeless, mm-hmm. um, I still had a lot of issues because I hadn't dealt with any of the root causes of anything that I had experienced in my life. So again, I was back in that vicious cycle where I had a job. 
I was getting money. I was renting a place. I didn't know how to manage the money because I didn't have proper life skills because of the after effects of being homeless and forgetting the things that I learned when I was growing up. And I couldn't budget properly. So I couldn't afford to pay for any of my expenses. Mm -hmm. So I'd I'd lose the places that I was living in. And then I couldn't keep hold of the job. So I'd lose the job. And it would just keep going round and round and round and round in a circle. And um, there's this, there's this concept that is spoken about a lot in psychology, which is called trauma bonding. Um, And it's the aspect of when two broken people find solace in each other because of their wounds. And I had a friend of mine who, you know, was also a broken person and he became a very, very dear friend of mine. And long story short, we actually ended up getting married. Um, And I was very happy. I was like, you know, I was 23 by this time. And I thought I was living, I thought I finally got my happy ending. You know, I mm-hmm. thought, oh my God, yes. Like of everything that I've been through, finally, you know, I've I found someone that loves me, that I love and we're going to live happily ever after. And, and I'm going to get everything that I've always wanted to get. Mm-hmm. And within a month of being in that marriage, it, it turned into a toxic and abusive one. And again, I tolerated it. Yeah. And I was shocked at first. Because in my mind, I was like, this isn't who he is. Or I was in denial because, you know, I'd never seen this side of him before. And mm-hmm. But because I was married, I thought to myself, no, this is a marriage. I can't just leave it. I need to help him. Um, you know, he's broken. He's had a difficult life as well. So these are just probably like, you know, his insecurities coming out. Like, I need to, I need to stick with him. I need to support him. And I need to be there for him. Yeah, like, kind of like you because... were justifying his uh, why the abuse right you're kind of justifying yeah. in your own world yeah. Right? yeah 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 exactly and um i read up on something recently um that quite often people uh justify staying with their abusers or the the narcissist uh, in the the narcissistic relationship yeah. they justify it because they use it as a re- say they, they they say that they're um that their abuser is coming from a place of, of wound of wound and hurt right. and they want to try and help them and support them through it. So they try and justify it in that, like with that reason. And that's basically what I was trying to do. It yeah. was like every time something happened, every time I tried to leave, he would try to take his own life and I would end up coming back and I would end up soothing him yeah. and looking after him after just after I had been abused. in essence in essence if i can say something really quick in essence it's kind of like no matter what like it was kind of serving you in 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 that moment right even though it was toxic even even though it wasn't healthy in one way or another it was it was serving you whether you felt like loved or you felt needed or you felt you know like you were like rescuing him when in reality maybe you were projecting and trying to rescue yourself right like yeah. all these variables come into play when it comes to that 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 energy or that realm right when you're going through it yeah. in the moment right 100%. exactly that so exactly deep. that so that's what it is it's like our behaviors are a projection of what's going yes. on inside of us yes and you know it's like that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to soothe the person in pain. Yeah. And in that, in, in response to that, I was deteriorating. I was suffering, you know, I, my anxiety got worse all over. In fact, it actually got worse than it had ever been before. Mm-hmm. Like I, I used to be scared to pick up my phone. 
Um, I wouldn't reply to text messages. I wouldn't pick up phone calls, even if they were from my family. Like, I just wouldn't do it. Yeah. Um, I, I used to love going to, like, um, public events, like, entrepreneurial events and things like that in London. Mm. And I used to stop going to them. And I just disappeared. Yeah. Like, I just went off the radar because I was just so scared of going anywhere without him. You know, I was far from my family. I was far from my friends. No one really saw me apart from him. And if we were going anywhere, I'd be too scared to go or too anxious to go unless he was with me because he was that comfort. So it was like I wanted to get away from him, but I didn't know how to live without him either. There you go. There you go. And so you're you're stuck in that. And eventually it got to that point. It was about 10 months before I finally was able to leave. Um, And the only reason why I had the strength to do that was because I told my family what had happened because one incident resulted in me calling the police Mm -hmm. and um, they wouldn't let us stay under the same roof again that night. The closest person to me physically at that time that I could get to was my uncle. Um, So I asked to the police actually like took me there because it was so late at night, there was no public transport or anything. Mm -hmm. And that's when I finally like opened up and my family got an insight as to what I was going through. So they um i stayed with my family for a couple a few weeks okay before i ended up going back to him and that few weeks that i'd lived without him i had experienced a slight inkling of what my life could be like if i left him got it and subconsciously that's what gave me the strength to walk away for the final time when i could see that something was brewing when he was getting angry and when he was shouting and i could yeah. tell that it was only going to go one way that's what gave me the strength to call the police and to tell them, do not let him come back. Yeah. And that's exactly what happened. And I left and I went back to my family and, you know, I worked really hard to get my life back on track. Um, but again, the same thing that happened all, all my life is that people always think that if you just talk about the problem and you express your like how you felt, yeah. then that's it. You are now officially over it, and you can go back to living your life. That's so like only the first you. step, right? The beginning step, right? <laughs> yeah. It's like, it's like, in fact, it's worse if you just talk about it and then don't do anything because you've now brought it up to the surface, yeah. and it's there, and you've acknowledged it, and now you're not doing anything about it. Yeah. And everyone's saying, you know, like, just fine, just, you know, get, get a job again, get back into work, you know, and just be around your friends and your family and you'll be fine. And that's exactly what I did. You know, I was surrounding myself with my family and I was catching up with my old friends and doing what people do and, you know, talk about your ex-partner and just badmouth them and all the things that they did to you. And that makes you feel better and all of that. And I was working and I had a job and I was feeling better in myself. And then one day I just woke up in the morning and I went to work. And I sat down at my desk Mm -hmm. and I just, all of a sudden this feeling just came into my mind and I was like, I can't do this anymore. Mm. I don't want to do this anymore. I'm tired. Mm. And I just remember getting up, walking out of the office, calling a taxi, sitting in the taxi and when he asked me where I wanted to go, I actually didn't even know. So I asked him to drop me off at a petrol station that was close to where my family lived. Mm-hmm. So he dropped me off there. And I, and the, 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 the thing about this is that there was no like real pre-planned thought process to this. It was just whatever feelings were coming to me yeah. at that moment in time was just what I was doing. 
and I walked into the petrol station and then all of a sudden I decided I wanted to buy some paracetamol painkillers so I literally just went and I said I wanted to buy them and they said that well, they actually ran out of stock but they had a different painkiller that was slightly less stronger so I bought that one mm. and I went to a field that was nearby and I sat down on the field and I sent a goodbye message like I actually for the first wow. time in my life I actually wrote because I tried to take my life two times during my marriage yeah. and then I tried to also one time when I was 17 mm-hmm. but the only difference was is that I'd never actually followed through I tried but then I never followed through yeah. I like got scared at the last minute this time I followed through this time I actually put my family in a whatsapp group and I sent the goodbye message to them and then I put the phone on silent and threw it to somewhere away from me where I wouldn't be able to see if it was ringing yeah. and I just took as much as I could and I just lay there and I just waited to die wow and I just I just lay there and I lay there and I lay there and the thing is, I wasn't even scared. I wasn't scared. I was just tired. Like yeah. in that moment, the thoughts that were going on in my mind was, I'm sick and tired of bad things always happening to me. Bad things will always happen to me. There's no point in me being alive because living is just way too tiring. It's way too exhausting. I just can't do it anymore. Nobody yeah. loves me. Nobody wants me. Like there's so much that's wrong with me. Like all of these thoughts were going on in my head. And I just lay there and I was just waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting to die. And um, where I was at, I think I was lying there for, I don't even know how long I was lying there for, but I could feel the energy draining from my body. And when I felt at my weakest point, I thought to myself, okay, like, um, surely I'm going to die in the next 10 minutes or so. Mm -hmm. Like, it's going to happen now. And because of that reason, I thought to myself, okay, I started to think about thinking about my family. Like, oh my God, if they're looking for me, like this field is very secluded. Like no one's going to find me for a long, long time. Yeah. So I thought if I die on 999, like now, then by the time they actually find me, I should be dead. Like this is how I, my thought process yeah. was. And I was like, if I die with a number, by the time they find me, I'll be dead. And then my body won't be here for a long amount of time and they can take my body back to my family. Mm-hmm. So I literally just dialed 999. And I literally like, I couldn't even get the words out properly because of how weak I was in that moment. Yeah. But I literally just said, you know, um, I've I've killed my I've tried to kill myself I've taken an overdose um I'm just letting you know where I'm giving you a chance to track me so that my body's not lying here after I'm dead and that was it mm-hmm. and my eyes started to close and the energy was going for me and then before you know it I just like faintly heard the ambulance coming up behind me then they took me into the ambulance and you know they were doing all of their routine tests and checks and everything and the woman in the ambulance a paramedic she said to me don't worry you're not gonna die And when she said that to me, my first thought was, oh, my God, I couldn't even do that right. Mm. And I was so upset that I wasn't going to die. And they took me into the hospital um, and they did like physical checks on me to make sure that I was going to be okay. And they said to me that the the dosage that I took, they said, if I'd taken that in the other painkiller that I actually intended to go in and buy in the first place, I would have died. Wow. Wow. And imagine, like, they were actually out of stock, and that's the only reason why I didn't end up buying it. Like, they didn't have it in. Oh, man. It's, it's, it's crazy. Like, it's obviously, like, that wasn't my time to go. Yeah. And that's, and, you know, I had a visit from the police officer who, like, was really, really lovely to me. Um, and then they took me in for my mental health assessment. And they just said to me, like, Halima, tell me about your life. 
And I literally told them about all like my life from start to finish, all the little bits, the the large, the bigger bits, the major traumas, the minor traumas, like everything. Yeah. And they said to me, like, what would you say if we said that we had that we needed to section you? And I said, I'll tell you to do it because if you let me walk out of this hospital, I'm gonna do it again. And now I know what I did wrong the last time. So I'll succeed this time. Wow. Wow. And they were like, right, she needs to be sectioned. And that was it. I was in a mental health unit for the next week. Mm-hmm. And it was very, the first, I'd say the first one to two days were just very overwhelming. I was just crying all the time. My emotions were everywhere. And after a few days, that's when my logic started to kick in. Mm-hmm. The thing about being in the mental health unit that was probably the best thing that ever happened to me was that for the first time in my life, I actually had to sit down and be still with my thoughts because there was nowhere to run to. Got it. And running running was the thing that I'd basically been doing my whole life. Yeah. Anytime there was a problem, I'd run away from it. Yeah. Anytime there was a dark thought, I'd find something to take my focus away from it. For sure. And that's exactly what happened. Yeah. That's what and, a lot of us do, you know, you know, because we just don't know. We don't know how to deal with it. You yeah. Know? yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. It's easier to forget about it than it is to face it. Yeah. And as humans, we tend to look for the easy way out instead of, you know, facing the hard for stuff. Sure. And that's what I've been doing all my life. So um, for the first time in my life, again, I had to sit down. I had to be alone with my thoughts. And sometimes it got scary and sometimes it was confusing. And mm-hmm. eventually, like, I started to realize that, hold on a minute. All of these things that have been happening to me have been happening because I just I just don't like myself. Mm. Like, I, I actually hate who I am. I hate everything about me. Mm-hmm. I have no self-worth, no self-respect, no self-love, no nothing. Like, I don't value myself. And that's when the penny dropped. I was like, oh, my God. Like, the reason why all of these things have happened to me my whole life is because I've allowed it to happen. Like, you were creating them, basically. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because of... Because because of my mind train, yes. because of everything that I thought about myself, yeah. I allowed it to happen. I mean, people in situations will always happen in your life, you know, like negative, like b- bad experiences are guaranteed. You know, you're not going to have like the most perfect life in the world. Yeah. There will be people that try and come in and try and take advantage of you or hurt you in some way, or you will experience hardships in life. But the level of tolerance that you have is what dictates the outcome so because I didn't have any Mm self-worth I didn't look at that as overstepping any boundary so I allowed it to happen because I believed that that was all I was worth so all these bad things that happened I let them happen to me I didn't stand my ground I didn't stop them I didn't change anything it's because of me I had to stop shifting the blame onto everybody that was around me friends family exes this that the other like I had to stop doing that and I had to take accountability and go okay it's me wow I'm the problem I am the problem. Wow. And when I and when I came out of the hospital, when they discharged me, they did try and set up a care plan for me, mm-hmm. but the care plan did not go well at all. Um, they didn't know how to speak to me. They didn't know how to treat me, as I was saying. And, yeah. you know, I, within two weeks of being out of the hospital, I actually started self-harming again. Mm-hmm. So that's when I realized that, you know, if I'm going to get better, I have to do it on my own. And this is so important, is that for anyone that's listening to this needs to understand that you have everything that you need within you. Yes, yes. You just have to be able to know how to tap into it. Yes. Because everything we've got is inside of us. And that's exactly what I did. I went off on my own and I structured my own recovery plan and I changed my number so people would have limited access to me because I didn't want any external opinions, external voices, anything. I needed to do this on my own. And I structured my recovery and I went through the recovery um, and I started to see all of these benefits that the doctors told me it would take years for me to achieve. And 
as I started to connect more with who I was, I started to think to myself, what are the things that I used to love doing as a kid yeah. that I don't do anymore? And one of those things was writing. When I was a kid, I used to write all the time. Okay. I used to write down my feelings, um, whether it was just, just as a story or as a song or anything. Like I just used to write yeah. all the time. So obviously now we're in the era of social media. So I've realized I could do it differently. Like I don't just have to use a pen and a paper. Yeah. So I started to write things on social media and I started to document my recovery. And as I was doing that, people started to to message me, people that I knew, people that I didn't know, people that I hadn't heard of, heard from in, in years, saying to me things like, wow, I didn't know you've been through this or you've really inspired me or that thing that you said there was, it really helped me, you know, yeah. and more people need to talk about these things because these are so, these are really common and no yes. one's talking about it. And when that started to happen, I realized, hold on a minute, like something's happening here. People actually are benefiting from what I'm saying. Yes. So I thought, okay, let me just run with this. Let me carry on with this. So I kept on doing it. And as I was like discovering new things about myself in my recovery, I would share that with people too, mm -hmm. like new triggers and things like that. And eventually it got to that point where I got called on um, to, in the UK, Sky News is a really big news, oh, yeah. news station. You know of it, yeah? Yeah, I do. Yeah. And um, they, they called me on and it was a huge deal. And I spoke on their news platform and that obviously took things to a whole new level. And I've been invited back there like a good few times. And eventually that's when I started to realize that actually I can make something proper mm -hmm. of this. Mm -hmm. This doesn't just need to be something I talk about on my social media. I can make this into a business yeah. and I can actually help people that are going through things that I've been through, think anything to do with mental yes. health. Yes. Um, because it's it's needed. Yes. And I realized that because of the messages that I was getting. So as I started to get healthier and healthier and healthier, and once I got to a point where I was satisfied with the level of progress that I made, where I thought, okay, do you know what? I actually have a leg to stand on now. I actually have the authority to be able to, to tell people what they need to do to get better. Yeah. Like, because I've done it now, I've done it to myself. Um, that's when I started to provide more education. And it wasn't just about awareness and it was education. Mm -hmm. And I was speaking at events and podcasts and radio interviews and everything. And, I love you that. Know, I love I media more like it's a professional stance and it was amazing and I literally fell in love with the whole process mm -hmm. of it um and that is where I found my purpose you yeah. know like make, looking after myself and showing people that this is how I'm living my life but then educating them educating myself so I'm studying more as more as well like on the things that I haven't experienced I don't have as much knowledge about yeah uh, I'm studying those so I can help people that are going through those things as well yeah. and it's taken me to where I am today which is you know Thank God, like I'm, I'm creating my own business around mental health support. I just re uh, released my e my first ebook. Awesome. And thank you, lockdown. Thank you, quarantine. You helped me focus. Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like I started this podcast amazing. during the quarantine. Man, I've done so many things during the quarantine. Yes, like quarantine has blessed so many people in so <laughs> many ways. I think it's because of this as well. Um, a lot of people rightly pointed out that anxiety levels are going to be a lot higher during this yeah, time as well. Exactly. So this kind of support is really needed. Um, so mm -hmm. it's given me that push to turn it into more of act an actual business of not just providing education and awareness, but physically giving people tools to support them in maintaining their positive mental health or helping them with any mental health issues that yes. they do have. And I'm just in love with this whole process. And it's it's made me realize why I had to go through everything that I've been through in my life to lead me up to the work that I'm doing today. Like yeah. my purpose is so much bigger than what I ever thought it would be. And 
that's where I am today. I love that. I love that so much. Oh my gosh. I'm so happy to have you on my podcast. I thank you so much for being so open, so transparent, so honest when it comes to your journey. One thing that, that, uh, yeah, yeah, of course. One thing that, uh, I want to touch on, right? Because I, I feel it's so important and we don't talk about it because it's not easy to talk about, right? Is, mm. is the, the whole victim mindset and the whole responsibility mindset, right? Mm. Because when I was listening yeah. to you right now and you were talking about your journey and, you know, how you got to that place of, of wanting or just really getting numbed out and not feeling and wanting just not to live anymore. And when you started talking about why you were feeling like that, I heard a lot of like, man, everyone, this person and that and this situation and everything was like kind of pointing the finger and it was somebody else's fault. And then when I heard yeah. your, your shift and your change, it was like this place of, of empowerment, of responsibility of like, no, I'm the one when you got when you said the penny dropped and you were like, I'm the one that's been creating that I'm the one mm -hmm. that man, that's so powerful because I have to say man the power of that that we possess as far as who we are and what what we you know our hearts right and our spirits they're so yeah. powerful but it's like they can take us down like that path of victim and you know this world is horrible and we're looking through the lenses of victim and seeing everything and it's just so bad and so sad and we're thinking in the future and we're living in the past and everything everything is just so crazy right and then when you take responsibility, it's like it gets it. it there's a sense of clarity because ultimately yeah. it always goes back to self. It always boils back to self looking in that exactly. mirror and taking responsibility because guess what? The way I see it right. And I'm, and I'm speaking from my experience. That's why I'm able to relate to your experience is it was always, you know, somebody hurt me or I this and that when in reality, it, we're energy, right? So if we're vibrating at that yeah. same frequency, of course, we're going to attract what we believe and what we yeah. see and what lenses we're looking through. So if we're looking through the lenses of victim and, you know, not being empowered and not looking at ourselves, of course, it's going to feel like the life that we're living. But when we when we go into our hearts, like you said, you, you had to like sit still and be with yourself and not run. And when we don't run and we step into our courage and just go into our hearts, that's where we get that clarity, that beauty, because that's who we truly are. You know what I mean? Yes. That's who yes, we truly exactly. are. But we don't, we don't get taught exactly that. It. We don't get taught that. Yeah. Halima, you know what I'm saying? We don't, we don't never, you. ever, we never are in school or wherever we have, we're never taught to look inside ourselves that we have the answers that we have the 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 magic within ourselves to be able to create anything that we want to create so we can create like the worst life ever or we can create the most beautiful life ever and how crazy is it that we're talking to you right now right and you're resonating with a lot of people and you're starting to spread your light all over the world and it came from the darkest place that we could ever be, which is almost ending your life. How crazy mm -hmm. is that, right? And how beautiful is that, you know? Oh, I just, yeah. I love it. I love it. I just want to honor you and uh, 
thank you from the bottom of my heart just for, for, uh, you know, going through your journey, you know, and sitting with yourself and facing yourself and taking ownership and responsibility for your life. And look at how beautiful, um, the beautiful results that come from that, right? Because thank now you're going to be thank touching you. lives and you're touching lives and you're going to be touching and changing more lives. And you know, how beautiful is that, right? Um, it is, it is. It's just, honestly, it's, I can't even put into words how much gratitude and appreciation I wake up with every day knowing that I actually can make this kind of impact and I no longer look at it as a negative the way that I used to. It's yeah. exactly what you said. It's the victim mentality. It's yes. like you ha- you stop blaming people around you. You 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 realize that it's all about you yeah. and you work on yourself. That's yeah. all I did. All I did yeah. to recover was I just worked on myself. I love that. And that, and I'm living the life, this amazing life that I couldn't even have imagined myself living. I love that. Because I focused on myself yeah. and everything else around me, my surroundings organically shifted as I was shifting. Yeah. How, how beautiful is that? I want to highlight what you just said right now is that the minute that you started shifting and changing within yourself, or I'll even, I'll even say you started remembering who you really are mm. all of a sudden the external started shifting toward your frequency, towards your vibration, towards your feeling and the lenses that you're actually looking through, like at that point in your life, like how beautiful is that? Like that makes me the happiest person in the world to hear that. You know what I'm saying? Because that is truth. That is truth. Like that, that is the most, that's love. That's everything that is in alignment with, with love and truth, you know? Mm-hmm. 100%, 100% David 100% yeah it's, yes. it's beautiful it's a beautiful thing and I just can't wait for our world to get to that point yeah. where everybody understands this because we're always going to have problems with our mental health because you know mental yeah. health is our brains we yeah. all have brains we're all going to experience things but what will make the world a better place is when people understand that it's nothing to be ashamed of exactly. men and women you can openly express how you feel you shouldn't have to like people shouldn't like the 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 whole fear of judgment i can't wait for that to be eradicated i can't wait to live in a world where the stigma has been removed and mental health isn't looked upon like mental health issues aren't yeah. looked upon as a weakness and you can openly stand there and say i'm experiencing this and there's the right support and people have the tools to be able to help themselves yeah. and help other people yeah and you know you know what i love is that it's and i got goosebumps right now i have to say it's happening right now because yeah. me and you are here and we're we're doing our part you know what i'm saying along with like yeah. millions and millions of others there's a a new level of awareness that's happening right now and i think it's so beautiful it's the most beautiful thing in the world because it is happening happening alima you know what i'm saying it's happening right now and i truly believe that you went through what you went through to be able to prepare for what you're doing now you know what i'm saying a lot of yeah, times exactly. man like a lot of times, you know, when we're, we're when we're in that space where we just we're overwhelmed, that we don't know what else to do, and we start getting numb, and you know, putting up those walls to protect our hearts because we've been hurt so much. It's it's we're crying for help because we want love. We've always needed love. That's what we are. But we you know yeah. the, the, our environment and you know how we grow up or whatever the case is. It molds us. It it shifts us. It you know it. It, 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 it teaches us what it teaches us. And I think that's a big part of the journey is, is that self-discovery 
and that re, re, that going back to remembering of who we are because and loving right loving who we are exactly exactly because we're all worthy of that self-love we're all worth it absolutely we deserve to be loved by ourselves first and foremost and then we deserve love around us afterwards like absolutely. you can't expect anyone to love you if you don't love who you are there you go there you go that's it that's it oh my god i love this so much i love this so much so, i know i could talk forever <laughs> yeah no i'm loving this and and i, I want to ask you right before we were starting to kind of close to wrapping this up, but I, I want to ask you um, if it, 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 you might have five, you might have two or three, whatever it is for you. Um, it, like if you just had like these certain things that you did to get yourself out of those suicidal thoughts and that depression and that space that you were in that, 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 you know, that you explained to us already, you mentioned one that was writing. What else? Because I'm trying to provide tools for my audience, right? Because guess yeah. what? We might have some audience members that they might not be going through something like that, but they have their brother and sister that are going through it or, you know, their mom's going through it or somebody they know, you know? Yeah. So, so I'm asking you, like, what are some of the things that you did to be able to pull yourself out? And I know we talked about going inside, writing. What else? So one thing that I talk about a lot that I did during my recovery was um, it was dating myself. And that was the concept of learning about myself and who I was. So funnily enough, I'm later on today, I'm actually releasing a blog post about solitude um, and the benefits of it. And that's what one of the things that really helped me in recovery is spending time by yourself, learning more about yourself, understanding yourself. Because when we try to get to know another human being, what do we do? We spend time with them. We go on experiences yes. with them, you know travel with them do all of those things but do them with yourself so you gradually learn more about who you are and that teaches you to master the art of self-acceptance because as you spend more time with yourself you'll grow to become more fond of who you are it will be very uncomfortable at the beginning but everything that's worth it in life starts off uncomfortable you know and that's how the process works so for me a lot of Mm self-time is one of the things obviously with the writing and expression not everybody likes writing but there's many ways to express yourself whether it's through song, whether it's, you know, through sport, whether it's through dance, like there's so many ways to, to express how you feel. Um, And just to be just, yeah, just, just speaking up. um, It's probably the most important thing. Um, And what I realized was that while you are going through this whole um, concept of getting to know yourself, worry less about what's going on around you in terms of people, Mm. opinions, and things like that, Mm -hmm. because that's what stops a lot of people from actually moving forward in their recovery, um, is caring about the opinions of everybody else. You have to remember that your health is more important than the opinions of anybody else. Yes. So, um, and also as well, what's very important is in terms of like family and friends of people that are going through things. I don't believe there's enough education for those people because Mm -hmm. obviously it's not an easy place to be in. If you're the family member or a friend or a partner of somebody that's going through something like this, you need to be patient with them because you will, it will be hard. You will be tested. You have to be patient. You have to be compassionate. If you don't understand what they're going through, just give them the space regardless to express their emotions and give them and and give them the chance to explain it to you, you know? And if you are struggling, get help for yourself because it's not an easy place to also be in looking after somebody that has mental health problems. So to make sure that you're at your top form, make sure that you're getting support from yourself, whether it's through a therapist as well, or talking to a family member or a friend, because we all need that support and we all need that guidance, no matter how 
you know extreme or minor you think that your problems are we yeah. all need a place to go a safe space to go to absolutely and pain is pain no matter what yeah. pain is pain you know that's yeah that's always important to remember is that we are emotional beings and yeah. you know just to remind um you know and just to put it out there let's be kind to one another let's be you know courteous with one another let's love each other let's support each other like we're all in this together you know it's yeah. it's, it's it's so crazy but we're all going through something or another and yeah and that's what you know, finds us together as human beings exactly. is that we all suffer through pain we all experience yes pain yes Yes, I love it. I love it. Oh, Halima, I could talk to you for another 20 hours, man. I love this. I, know, I love this. I could do this for ages. <laughs> yeah, no, we're going to be doing more work together. I already know. So I just, uh, you know, I want to, before we finish this podcast, I want to give you the opportunity to share, um, you know, uh, anything that you'd like to share as far as your, your social media platforms, where people can find you, if people resonated with what you're saying, and they want to hear more of you, where, where, where could they find you? Perfect. So um, the name that I go by is Halima Speaks. So that's how you can find me on my Instagram. It's Halima.Speaks. Halima is spelt H-A-L-E-E-M-A. Yeah. And my website is www.halimaspeaks.com. Um, those are the two main platforms that I use in terms of awareness. I also have a LinkedIn account, which is Halima Speaks as well. Um, so those are my main forms of uh, promotion, like promotion, work, awareness, everything at the moment. Um, the ebook that I have out, you can download those from any of those platforms as well. Oh. It's actually called 12 Steps to Gaining Control of Your Mental Health. It's a free ebook that I awesome. released about a week ago. Um, and I've received amazing feedback on it so far in regards to how it's been helping people. So I believe that that's also a tool that people will definitely be able to, to take advantage of. Oh, my sister, I got to tell you, I, I love you, man. Like, thank you for I love you too, David. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we doing this. We doing this. And I, I really it. mean it. Like, thank you so much for your courage, for showing up the way you're showing up now and for being a role model and for being light for uh, for people in this world because we need a lot more of you out there. You know what I'm saying? So just know that, that um, you know, I just want to honor you and, and uh, thank you so much for being with thank us today. You so thank you. Thank you. And thank you so much for inviting me onto to your platform as well to share, to share my message. Oh, and by the way, I got a little surprise for you. Remember I told you, I want you to like create a little video, like a two, three minute video, because I want to put you in the Earn Your Life app with all the other oh, masters, wow. you know what I'm saying? So yeah. we got to do that. All right. We yeah. got to do that as well. I'm on it. <laughs> <laughs> I love I'll it. get started on that right away. <laughs> yeah, I love it, man. And, and, and that's the thing is that this Earn Your Life app is just providing a platform for more and more people to be able to share their 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 light, their information, their heart, their spirit. And uh, I, I, you're one of them. So I definitely want to have you on there. So we, we'll be talking about that soon. Okay. For sure. For sure. Thank you so much, David. Awesome. Awesome. Well, you have a great rest of your, I don't even know if it's evening over there. I don't know. I'm in Cali. We're but... early afternoon. So I All still right. have my day ahead of me. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Well, I'm about <laughs> to go to sleep. Where you are now, right? Yeah. It's 530 in the morning. I'm about to go to sleep. You need to go to sleep, David. <laughs> awesome awesome well, thank you thank you once again i will be talking to you soon um and uh yeah thank you once again to all my listeners um i love you guys thank you for being here with this you know just being on this journey with me and uh you know tuning in to this this podcast once again everyone i love you guys 
or in your life, 